The Enraged Killer A tale of heartbreak, anger, loss. Tracy seems to most like the honest bystander to a horrific road rage murder. But at its core, that's all it was. A tall tale. Hello each and every one of our Shit Active listeners. Or viewers, welcome back to another episode of The Shit Detectives. So doff your shit-active hats, notebooks, and magnifying glasses as we delve into the case of Tracy Andrews. Trigger warnings, DV, abortion, murder, and intentional unaliving of oneself. Now, without further ado, let's start by delving in with the background. Tracy Marguerite Andrews was born in April 1969. She was the middle of three siblings and an undisclosed number of half-siblings. Her home life was very disruptive, with Tracy reporting that her parents had a volatile relationship until their separation when she was six years old. Tracy reports that this had been uh, that this has had a lasting effect on her. She attended primary school in Alfchurch, and while she was there, she sang in the choir and carried out voluntary work. For a short while, she flirted with the idea of becoming a nurse. When Andrews turned 17, she left home. She left the home that she'd lived in with her mother, stepfather, brother, sister, and several half-siblings, and moved in with her brother to a separate address. She went on to sell perfumes, makeup, and hair products for a while after moving out to venture the world on her own. She aspired to be a model, but started her professional life as a barmaid. Her modeling career never really took off, though. She did produce a portfolio of images of herself. During 1990, at the age of 21, she gave birth to a little girl. However, a year later, in 1991, she had separated from her partner and she moved back in with her mother. She would later secure a council flat in Alfchurch. Andrews was described by her previous partner and father of her daughter, Carla, Andrew Tilston, as having a violent temper. Tilston would later describe how Andrews had once threatened him with a knife. Those that knew her claimed that she was very possessive, with a terrible temper. She's reported as being prone to aggressive and explosive displays of anger, and was easily provoked. And this is how she came to meet Lee Harvey, our victim. It's understood that due to Andrew's previous behaviour towards Tilston, that he had once warned Lee Harvey to never turn your back on Andrews while in an argument with her. Tracy Andrews, 23 years old at the time, was an employee in a shoe shop when her past crossed with that of our victim. The victim. Lee Harvey was born on 20th of September 1971 in West Midlands, England, to mother Maureen Harvey and father Ray Harvey. He was born into a very close family and was especially close with his mum and sister. In October 1994, Harvey met Andrews in a nightclub. He worked as a bus driver for West Midlands Travel and was 23 years old. Harvey had a four-year-old daughter, Danielle Harvey, from a previous relationship at the time. He and his ex and mother of his daughter, Anita, stayed on good terms and Harvey would have his daughter on alternative weekends. Danielle is quoted as saying the following about her father, quote, He was a brilliant dad and I loved him so much. 
He called me Bab and was always scooping me up and swinging me round, throwing me up and catching me, end quote. It was a whirlwind romance with Harvey moving in with Andrews just three months into the relationship. Six months into the relationship, they were engaged. It's said that opposites attract. However, that can't be said for this case. It's said that Harvey was just as possessive and jealous as Andrews was. They were both jealous of each other's relationships outside with the other men and women. Harvey would often stop for a cup of tea when he dropped his daughter off at home after the weekend and it said that Tracy really didn't like this. It caused her a lot of jealousy. He was only 25 when he was brutally murdered. It's that time again in the episode where we are going to give you the answer to last week's true crime quiz time question. As a recap, last week's question was... Fred and Rose West's garden at 25 Cromwell Street, Gloucester, yielded its first grim discovery just a day after the couple's arrest in February 1994. But whose remains were found and, for a bonus point, how was the victim known to the killer couple? If you answered Heather West and you got the answer right, time to order yourself a cheeky takeout and save yourself some cooking tonight. You deserve it. And, for the bonus point, if you answered she was their daughter, then add a soda to that order, because you really do doubly deserve it. Don't forget to click that like button to let us know that you got it right. And stay tuned for this week's True Crime Quiz Time question later in the episode. And if you haven't already, subscribe for more. Anyway, back to the case with the relationship. The relationship, however, was anything but blissful. It was described as stressful and volatile, with jealousy and possessiveness on both sides. The relationship made many people uneasy, then the on-again, off-again relationship was regularly described as dysfunctional. Allegedly, Lee Harvey had even confided to both his friends and mother that he was concerned with the way Andrews would seemingly explode into rage at him and other emotional issues. In spite of these concerns, Lee proposed to Tracy and they became engaged. They were both reportedly very possessive and jealous of interactions with the opposite sex, with multiple previous partners establishing that Tracy was prone to what was akin to jealous fits of rage, particularly when they tried to have social life outside of her. It is little wonder that they were often pol- there were often police calls to the couple's home. At one point it grew so sour that Andrews terminated a pregnancy by Harvey and went on to lie that she had miscarried. Reportedly, Andrew regretted having the abortion immediately. However, despite their relationship turmoils of being on and off repeatedly, and the explosive arguments, the pair got engaged. Their families encouraged them to separate, but they didn't, and here is some insight as to why. It's reported that on one occasion, Tracy Andrews became infuriated when a member of Harvey's family announced that he intended to get married. On another occasion, Harvey exploded with... Andrews for aborting their unborn baby and that doesn't even touch on the DV. Police were called to their home on multiple occasions due to reports of DV because the two were known to assault each other and they would have noticeable physical injuries. Another such event occurred a month before Lee Harvey's murder. The couple had once again got into an argument and the police had once again been called out to the address but on arrival, they found that Andrews had bitten Lee on the neck. The couple planned to get married in the summer. However, according to a friend of Harvey, she was, quote, 
always throwing him out and then taking him back. End of quote. The friend recalled that the engagement was called off three times. Tracy had a well-known history among their friends and family of throwing Lee out on the street, often throwing his clothes out of the window or in bin bags. She even went as far as changing the locks. Now on to the crime. It was a cold night on December the 1st, 1996, and after a long day of fighting, Tracy Andrews and Lee Harvey decided to take a break from it all and hit the local bar for a few drinks to make, make up and calm things down between them. They called it a night after having some drinks and headed home. The drive should have only lasted 10 minutes, but it all went terribly wrong. According to Tracy's account of what happened, as they drove the dark, narrow and windy road, a car sped up behind them. The car flashed their lights and honked their horn. Andrew and Harvey sped up in an attempt to put some distance between them and the car behind them. However, the car would soon be on their tail again. Harvey would grow to be frustrated, so much so that he pulled the car over and instead of passing them, the car pulled up behind Lee. Both men got out of the vehicle and started to argue. According to Tracy, that's all it was. A simple road rage-fueled argument, and it didn't take long before both men were heading back to their cars. However, it would soon escalate when the passenger from the other car decided that he had something to say. Before Lee was able to get back into the car, the passenger brutally attacked him. Tracy claimed that she jumped out and tried to help, but it was little use. The passenger supposedly called her a slut and punched her in the face before his anger returned back to Lee. The passenger returned to the car and the two strangers left. It was only then that Andrews was able to check on her fiancé and that it was when she discovered that he had been stabbed. Tracy is quoted as say, having said, quote, The passenger called me a slut and punched me in the face. Afterwards I went to Lee. I don't know whether he was alive. I housed him, I cradled his head, and was just thinking of anything I could do for him. I had taken a, fi- a first aid course and tried to stop the flow of blood. I went into a state of shock." End quote. The commotion had caught the attention of a nearby resident who went to the road to investigate. There, the resident found Lee's body on the ground, bloody and stabbed, and Andrew standing beside him. The resident immediately ran back to his home to call the police. Upon the arrival of the police, she told them her account of what had happened, though there were details she claimed she couldn't remember. She did eventually claim that the perpetrators were driving a Ford Sierra. The investigators at the scene noticed that Andrew and Harvey's car had been parked neatly on the side of the road with no evidence of road rage. There were no tyre marks. The position of the car was too neat, stuff like that. Unfortunately, Harvey would be pronounced dead at the scene. The autopsy would later reveal that he had been stabbed a total 42 times with a penknife. He was stabbed in the back, front and throat, with the final blow being to an artery in his neck. Tracy was taken to hospital where she was treated for her own injuries. On December 3rd, 1996, A press conference was held and it was here that Tracy told everyone that Lee had been killed in a road rage attack. She claimed that a fat man with staring eyes had stabbed him numerous times after getting out of a Ford Sierra in which he was a passenger. What happened next shocked the police. 
Tracy went on to appeal to the unknown driver. She is quoted as having said, quote, Whoever this person is that was with you, you obviously know him, but he's ruined my life. He's ruined the lives of Maureen and Ray, and, um, please just tell us who he is. She would go further to tell the driver that if he came forward, he wouldn't be in any trouble, because it was only the passenger that the police wanted. I'm just going to put a quick insert here. If you watch Britain's Most Evil Killers, they've got a episode that they do on her, and um, they have some people who recount the investigation. Um, and one of the journalists said it was when she made that statement that he imagined she first came into suspicion because you could see it in the detective's eyes as he went, um, what? And then turned to look at her. And um, they reported that as he turned to look at her, the picture that rotates around of her so often where she's got her hooded eyes and her jaw jutting out and she just looks dangerous was also taken. I believe that was when um, she'd been asked about it being quarter past ten and she corrected them saying it was quarter, quarter to ten. Well, in her original statement, she said that they'd left the pub at quarter past ten. Oh, maybe. It was still in the same thing, but... Sorry, I, oh, maybe. I, maybe I, got it... I watched this the other day. <laughs> maybe I got it wrong then. I, I watched it uh, around Christmas, so... Yeah, it was because... Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm misremembering. It was because the um, journal... She'd been asked a question because her original statement had said that she'd said they'd left the pub at quarter past ten. And um, ah. during it, she actually corrected and said that it was quarter to ten. And that's when it sort of flagged up. Ah. Well, detectives, it's time to see if your true crime recall is better than mine. It's true, cr- true crime quiz time. So we are going to take a short break here to give you this week's true crime quiz. So, gather in, detectives, grab the detective hat and magnifying glass, and see if you know the answer to the following question. 19th century murderer Manuel Blanco Romasanta was said to be Spain's first serial killer. He confessed to 13 murders and was convicted of nine, but denied responsibility on the grounds that a curse had turned him into which mythical creature? A. A werewolf B. A vampire C. L. Coco If you think you know the answer, then comment it down below if you're joining us on YouTube or TikTok. If you're joining us on another platform, then comment your answer on our other social medias like Facebook or Instagram, or join us on YouTube. And don't forget to tune in next week to find out if you were right. And you're going to need to click that subscribe button so that you definitely will not miss the episode and the little notification bell. Now, back with the case where we discuss the investigation. The police found 80 to 100 strands of Tracy's hair clutched in Lee Harvey's dead hand, though at the time they didn't know it was hers. DNA would reveal the truth behind this, and the police would begin to realise that a struggle had occurred with Tracy in the mix of it all. A witness would come forward, a child who happened to live on the street where Lee's life had been stolen from him. The child told police that she had heard an argument that night 
and though she was unable to see who it was, she knew the one voice belonged to a man and the other was very distinctly female. Another witness came forward and reported that they had witnessed Harvey's car drive past them on the same road where the murder had occurred. They reported that they didn't see any cars following them, and in actuality it turned out that the witness hadn't seen any of the cars on that road that evening because it was a fairly rural road. Police also started asking questions regarding Andrew's timeline of events. She had claimed that they had left the pub at 9.50pm to drive three miles to their home. However, the police weren't called to the scene until an hour later. What added to their questions was that, according to friends and family of the couple, their relationship was stormy and temptuous. It had only been around two months before the murder that Andrew was witnessed punching Harvey twice in the face in the nightclub and biting his neck, and this was also brought to the attention of the investigators. On the 4th of December, Tracy Andrews tried to commit to that six-foot weighted blanket. She did this by overdosing on sleeping tablets and tranquilizers. She was released from the hospital the following day and the police seized the opportunity to question her further. Immediately following her discharge, she was arrested and questioned at the police station, but was later admitted to another hospital after becoming emotionally distressed. Her clothes on the night of the murder had been soaked in blood, but it wasn't just blood from holding the following the incident. There was blood spatter which shouldn't have been there if what she said was true and she had actually been some distance away while he was being stabbed. The evidence suggested one of two possibilities must have been what actually happened. Either she was right there up close as he was being attacked or she was the attacker. But Andrew stuck to her story and continued to claim that it had been from holding her fiancé. When questioned about the hair in Lee's hand, Tracy claimed that he must have pulled it out as he lay in her arms, dying from his wounds. The evidence they had collected along, alongside the attempted unaliving, police were certain that Tracy had Andrews was their killer. Arrest and trial. On December 19th, 1996, Tracy Andrews was arrested, but was later released on bail. While on bail, she continued to staunchly deny any involvement in her fiancé's murder and pleaded with the public for information that could lead the police to the real killer. She went on to claim that she had heard the driver of the Ford Sierra call the killer, Jez, and added that a woman had informed her that she was the victim of a road rage attack in the same area a few weeks beforehand. Police needed more evidence if they were going to prove, without shadow of doubt, that she had murdered her fiancé. So, they went back over everything they had. It was while looking at the boots they had taken from Tracy that they noticed inside there was what appeared to be a penknife-shaped bloodstain and impression. The police were convinced that Tracy had concealed the penknife in her boot at the scene of the crime, and then later disposed of it at the hospital on the night of the murder. This led to Tracy being formally charged with murder on the 1st of July 1997. She stood trial in Birmingham Crown Court for the murder of Lee Harvey. During the opening statements, David Kringham, QU, said that it was the prosecution's argument that Andrews had stabbed Harvey to death after an argument and then went on to invent a story about a mysterious murdering motorist. He went on to describe that Harvey was stabbed 
with a pen knife more than 30 times in the head, neck, chest and back. Kringon bellowed in the courtroom, that was never some mystery murdering motorist, it was her. At the trial, Tracy would desperately try to sell her fabricated story to the jurors, but the prosecution was able to skillfully deconstruct her story, demonstrating its implausibility. Only seven minutes had passed between the fatal stabbing and them being discovered by the occupants of the adjacent cottage. It was during this time Andrews hadn't made any attempt to summon help from the nearby houses, or from anyone else for that matter. She only sought assistance when she spotted the witness Richard Main leaving his friend's house to return to his car. The prosecution argued that Tracy spent those seven minutes concocting the outlandish story about the road rage incident. The prosecution claimed that after she had stabbed Harvey to death, Andrews tucked the knife into her boot and later disposed of it in a waste bin while she was at Princess Alexandra Hospital, where she was treated that fateful night. They brought up the bloody imprint that had been discovered inside her boot, which just so happened to match the knife that was used in the murder. However, the actual murder weapon was never recovered. The prosecution claimed that Andrews had tried to leave the vehicle at the location where Harvey was murdered, when yet another argument erupted between the couple. It was also revealed to the jury that it was approximately three months prior to the murder when the police were called to Harvey's flat after the couple had been arguing. A a neighbour testified that on the day of the murder, she had heard the blazing row between the couple at Andrews' home. She claimed that she had heard them on multiple occasions arguing all day, on and off. The argument on the day of the murder had actually continued at the pub and then in the car after they decided to go home. The prosecutor's theory was that Harvey had pulled into the car, uh, had pulled the car to the side of the road. They said that Harvey and Andrews then got out and continued to erupt at one another before Tracy unleashed a vicious attack on him. The investigators had also been able to track down two witnesses, both of which testified that no car had actually been in pursuit of the couple. Richard Main, the witness previously mentioned, who discovered the couple, also testified that Andrews didn't mention anything about another car or motorist. He testified that it was only when his friend came out to offer further assistance that she began reciting the complex road rage story. Many of Harvey's stab wounds had been in his back, and this indicated that Andrews had stabbed him repeatedly whilst he tried to retreat to the car. Finally, there was the blood splatter evidence, which was consistent with someone dripping blood onto the floor at the back of Harvey's car. This contradicted Tracy Andrews' story entirely, as she claimed that Harvey had been attacked at the front of the car. Tracy Andrews was found guilty of murder on the 29th of July 1997 and was given a life sentence with a recommendation that she serve a minimum of 14 years. Initially, she appealed her sentence, claiming that she was the victim of a miscarriage of justice due to damaging publicity surrounding her case, but that was denied in October 1998. By April 1999, her story had changed and finally she admitted that she had stabbed Lee to death. However, she claimed that it had been in self-defence, despite the evidence suggesting otherwise. After the trial, Andrew's mother stated that she couldn't understand why her daughter had concocted such an implausible story. So where is she now? Tracy Andrews became a grandmother in December 2010. 
when her daughter gave birth to a baby girl. In a shocking twist, both Andrew's daughter and Harvey's daughter developed an unlikely friendship, 14 years after being separated following the murder. Even more astonishingly, both women were pregnant at the same time and were due to give birth within weeks of each other. Danielle did say at the time that though they were taking their friendship slowly, she hoped that one day they would be as close as they were when they were girls. Andrew served 14 years before being released in July 2011. It was part of her release agreement that she was banned from travelling within 25 miles of Lee Harvey's family without supervision. Since 2011, she changed her name to Tia and underwent cosmetic surgery to change her appearance. And just because we all like to know where our hard-earned taxpayer money goes, she got the cosmetic surgery to correct her distinctive protruding jaw on the NHS which cost £5,000. She has also gotten married and according to her new husband, Phil Goldsworthy, he knows of her past but he won't let it get in the way of their relationship. They met shortly after she was released when she was working as a barmaid and he was working as a bouncer at the same pub. When Tracy was released, the parents of Lee Harvey had this to say, quote, some might say Tracy has served her time and deserves a second chance, but she's ruined our lives. There is no second chance for Lee or for us. We are serving life sentences until the day we die. Danielle Harvey had a lot to say in regards to Tracy's release. She told the mirror, quote, I would like to look Tracy in the eye and ask her why she did what she did. People tell me that she must have admitted her guilt and shown remorse to qualify for the parole she's soon going to get. But, as far as I'm concerned, she has never shown any remorse to me or my family. I'll never forgive her. To add to it all, according to Goldsworthy's former wife, Lindsay, him and Tracy began the relationship while he was still married. She's quoted as saying, that woman has stolen my husband from me, end quote, and branded her a marriage wrecker. She felt that Andrews had targeted Goldsworthy knowing that he was married at the time. In 2017, Danielle slammed Tracy publicly after she had been front page news for her Hindu in Butlins. She was photographed dressed in a PVC corset and sexy police woman's uniform for the drunken weekend. It seemed at her Hindu that Tracy didn't have a care in the world as she drank and partied hard like a skank and lapped up all of the attention she got for it. Andrews is also reported as having been given a new identity. It's reported that she now goes by Jenna and lives somewhere in the southwest of England. She got married in 2017, aged 48 at the time. They got married in Penvington Park Hotel, Redruth, Cornwall, on the 28th of August, 2017. It was reported by the Daily Mail at the time it cost £3,000 plus for couples to get married and enjoy a three-course wedding breakfast for up to 250 guests, canopies, pims or sparkling wine and the honeymoon suite on the night including breakfast. Maureen Harvey did write and publish a book titled Pure Evil, How Tracy Andrews Murdered My Son Deceived the Nation and Sentenced Me to a Life of Pain and Misery. The synopsis on Goodreads is as follows. Over to you. 
On December 1st, 1996, Lee Harvey was stabbed 42 times in a frenzied knife attack. His girlfriend, Tracy Andrews, claimed he had been murdered in a road rage attack and days later appeared at a press conference making an emotional appeal for the witness to the crime. During the days following the attack, the horrific truth about what really happened that night became apparent. It was Tracy who had killed Lee. Blech. It was Tracy who had killed Lee and then tried to cover her tracks with a web of lies. In this compelling and harrowing book, Maureen shares the turmoil of a bereaved mother trying to come to terms with the brutal murder of her son while at the same time fighting to bring his killer, who she had welcomed into her home, to justice. She also reveals little-known facts about the investigation and speaks of how her shattered family and speaks of how her shattered family came through their grief and began to rebuild their lives. It's rated as 3.95 on Goodreads, so if you're looking for some further reading, it's there. However, please keep in mind that it's written from the perspective of Maureen and this may come across as very one-sided and biased. Ugh. I am so angry and frustrated at this case. I feel absolutely awful for Lee Harvey's family and so angry that she's flaunting around the way she is doing, and the press are reporting on it like she's some celebrity. She was an evil woman who stole the life of the man she reported to love and tried to deceive the nation. I hope that her new husband never turns his back on her during an argument because this woman's venom could reach a whole new level of toxicity, if that's even possible. My heart goes out to the family, especially to Danielle Harvey who lost her father at such a young age. She's had to face so much and I honestly commend her strength, especially with the fact that she didn't hold the daughter accountable for the mother's sins. Many would have done. And to me, that is a testament to her as a person. I was reluctant to suggest this case for our podcast as she's clearly one of those individuals who enjoys the attention of the limelight in the media, be that positive or negative. My deepest sympathies go out to Lee and his family and I'm glad that and I'm glad that in spite of all their in spite of it all, their daughters have been able to keep a bond. It's a shame that it will always have traces of permanent stain. That's how I view her. A stain on humanity. I hope she sought aid for her anger issues, so that we don't hear about another incident like this. I think that Tracy is desperate to stay in the limelight and at the centre of attention, which is why she keeps breaching her own identity and we keep having to get new ones for her. So that she can stay the centre of attention. I would definitely agree with that last part especially. She is so desperate to be in the limelight. She seems to view herself as a celebrity. Or at least that's my opinion. Right, with that said, I think we're going to close this episode. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe for more and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode. Um, If you're listening to us on YouTube. If you're joining us on Amazon Music or Spotify, give us a rating and a follow. And we hope to see all of you shit actives on our other social media platforms like Facebook, Threads and Instagram. 
and TikTok. So, without further ado, I am not going to hold you any longer. We hope to see you next week. Bye!